It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's happening, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Shout out to Tribe Called Red for for the intro song. Never get tired of that one and never get tired of talking lacrosse. I hope you never get tired of listening to this podcast because we'd be in some trouble if you did. Uh, My name is Jake Elliott. I'm with my co-host Brad Challoner. As we record on what is just an absolutely gorgeous Sunday evening. Back to our regular recording time here, Bradley. Good to be back with you. How's the weekend going so far? I know you just uh, barbecued up some brats on the on the old grill there. How's it going? Yeah, a little Schneider's Oktoberfest, a little sauerkraut on a bun. Sign mm. me up. I'm all in. Yeah. I don't know what's better, man. Like We were raving kind of last week about the Tuesday night. We had a ton of stuff to talk about. We were feeling good. But here we are on a beautiful, sunny Sunday to cap off the weekend. I've spent enough time outdoors. So I don't feel guilty yeah. about coming in. Good. I feel like I feel like I've put a lot of work in this weekend, you know, as far as life and entertainment and, and being outside and stuff goes. So, here we are, Sunday night. Time, How are you? Yeah, time to talk some lacrosse. Uh, good. I had uh, good. We I went out to, to White Rock on Friday night. Did a little stroll down the boardwalk uh, along the beach there in White Rock, which was quite pleasant on, on Friday. Pretty much had a write off Saturday. Didn't accomplish a whole lot uh, that day, and uh, got out played a little. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I had to uh, feed the fish on Saturday, which we will talk about a little later in Quick Sticks. But uh, got out this morning, a little round of disc golf there at my home course at Monday Park in Coquillum, and uh, enjoyed that. Got some steps in, and uh, now here we are talking lacrosse. We got tons to talk about once again here on EP 132. Stampede Stallion of the Week coming up in quarter four. Quick Sticks, as I mentioned, in quarter number three. We're going lacrosse the nation once again in quarter number two, as uh, we will talk to one Jeffrey Snyder. I don't think anyone calls him Jeffrey. I might, I don't think I will either. But Jeff, don't call Snyder. him. Don't call him Jeffrey. Okay, Je- <laughs> probably ends up in a fight. Yes, Jeff Snyder out of Calgary, Alberta, will be joining us in quarter two to talk all about Calgary lacrosse, and uh, I would say one of the real pioneers of lacrosse in Alberta as a whole. So. Also, I don't think Snyder's ever been on the podcast, so we can strike that one off the list here, Brad. Looking forward to talking to number four. Yeah, me too. He does a ton of media in the Calgary area. You know, we cover he covers the Roughnecks. He's been on their broadcast. Yeah, uh, Teddy, yeah. and I, Teddy and I had him on um, uh, before the game, before the before the NLL finals a couple years ago. Like he he loves he loves a microphone. So I'm happy to happy to talk to Jeff Snyder. He does represent Calgary Lacrosse. Like he grew up there. Played five seasons for the Roughnecks, um, runs Elevate Lacrosse, which has put themselves in front of like 80,000 students in the Calgary area and introduced them to the game of lacrosse. So Snides kind of represents everything that uh, Calgary Lacrosse is. So we'll, we'll get into that uh, lacrosse the nation in a couple minutes here. Yeah. And still, like, I don't, we'll have to ask him. He still hasn't announced his retirement, Brad. And I don't know if he still has thoughts and ideas of, Continuing his, his pro lacrosse career, but I mean, one of the real faces of, of Team Canada lacrosse and their field lacrosse program, former Denver pioneer, of course, as well, who uh, are playing Loyola as we speak, as we're recording here, as the NCAA working their way to the quarterfinals. We'll 
keep you apprised of that in quarter number three as well. So big, big show coming up, Jeff Snyder in quarter two. And of course here, Brad, in quarter number one. Are we ready to go already? Are we getting into it right off the bat here? Let's do it. Dive All in. right, big focus time. Let's go. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Other than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. The big focus. Big focus. Focus. Big focus. Uh, big focus this week. We're turning our attention to Brad. Something that we've had really our attention on for the better part of the last three or four months. And that is the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. It's coming back. The, the, we tipped you off last week. Announcement coming. It came Thursday as the National Lacrosse League announces their 2021 nominees class it consists of 20 players builders uh, you want to run down this list real quick here before we kind of get into things brad you want to run it down as fast as you can yeah a couple stats for you first uh we've been talking about a lot but hall of fame has been off for for five years the last editions went in in 2016 that was the uh the tracy kluski josh anderson john Tavares. pretty year. good what, yeah, what a good. year yeah not bad <laughs> not too shabby um voting will take place shortly on these 20 nominees June 3rd, I believe, uh, announcement coming out. Uh, for, I, I caught that today. Devin, Teddy, and, and Patty Gregoire did a little uh, little thing on, on the NLL social. So June 3rd, I think, is the announcement uh, that will that will come out. So continue on, please. I'm sorry for interrupting. And we do know from Mike French, who told us on this podcast, and it's, it's kind of out there now, but uh, three forwards, three defenders, and two builders. So mm. it's going to be tough to, to narrow down this list. We've talked about it a lot. I think the three offensive players are, are no-brainers in, in Sean Williams, John Grant Jr., and Colin Doyle. The D side is going to get a, a little dicey and a little tricky, and there's only three builders. So, you know, two-thirds of the, of the, of the referees that are nominated – are uh, are getting yeah, three refs too. Never, never mind yeah. like past owners or broadcasters or, or what have you. So two out of three, and and uh, it, it sounds like not this year, but next year they will add two veterans to the ballot as well. So guys that are nominated but don't get in the following years. Like if you don't get in on your first ballot, you'll there'll be a category for two guys to be on that list moving forward to, to have another crack at it as uh, time goes on here. So I like that move, but not this year as uh, it'll be one of the biggest class. There will be the biggest class to ever go into the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. And, and we're really, really looking forward to this. So here's the list. Forwards, uh, Micah Kersey, Jake Berge, Colin Doyle, Kevin Finner, and John Grant Jr., Casey Powell, Mark Stainhouse, who's also not mm. officially retired mm. but makes this list, mm-hmm. uh, and Sean Williams. On the defensive side of things, Sandy Chapman, Glenn Clark, Ryan Cousins, Pat McCready, Billy D. Smith, Reggie Thorpe, Steve Toll, Brian Volker, head coach of Drexel in his seven seasons in Philadelphia, and mm. Cam Woods. Uh, in the builder category, the three referees, as mentioned, Roy Condon, Bill Fox, and Rich Tamburino. Yeah. So notable Billy, admissions. Yeah. Notable admissions, Jumbo. Uh, notable admissions. Uh, you're putting me on the spot here, man. I'm not looking. Give me at to you. catch you off guard. I'll I'll say Gavin Prout. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from the fourth side of things, like he's he's top ten in everything. Give me Lewis Ratcliffe deserves- on that list, Brad. Yeah, Ratcliffe too, and and Jeff Snyder, I think, well, to be on this list. Maybe again, well, I would thought maybe the non-retirement well, thing would keep him out, but it didn't it didn't work for Stainhouse. Billy so. D. Smith, I don't think, has officially announced his retirement either. Although he is standing on uh, Halifax bench coaching now, so if that doesn't tell you, then I don't know what is. But yeah, Snyder, like I thought, 
like he could easily be a stampede stallion and no disrespect to the guys in the stable but i almost feel like snyder is too good for the stable if you know what i'm saying yeah, because i think he's going in the hall of fame i think he's hall of fame worthy if in a couple of years from now if he doesn't for some reason get in yeah then he's then he's a stallion 100 percent. so to, i'm also gonna throw okay i know that um there's already enough goaltenders and that was the big thing it was like we don't need any we're gonna close it to goaltenders right now mm. but i think they could have put anthony cosmo on a ballot yeah even marty o'neill i think deserves a little recognition there in that regard as well but i think they're going to take a little break from the goalies at least for the first couple of years and the other criteria here brad is that you have to have not played in the last two seasons and i don't know if the pandemic year counts against that or not but all those guys uh qualify for that obviously all in all like happy this list is out there's a lot to dissect and a lot to debate um, but I'm, it's been a long time, and I know everybody that is fans of the league has wanted to see the Hall of Fame reimagined and revamped. Mm. So it, it's finally here. Um, and we still don't know come. whether we're going to get like a like a bricks and mortar full building, like a dedicated home, or if they're going to do this digitally, or, or exactly how that's going to work. We know that the ceremony will be probably right in and around the NLL entry draft, if not coinciding with it. Yeah, maybe maybe a Philly, maybe a Toronto, maybe somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, who uh, knows? a little foreshadowing there from the commissioner a, a couple of weeks ago saying that there might be a, a new home or a new location for the upcoming NLL draft. A little sneak peek. Also, uh, how, about, how about a roving Hall of Fame? How about mm-hmm. like just a smaller display that goes to every building in the National Lacrosse League throughout a season? So, you know, it's Hall of Fame night in Vancouver and they just bring a ton of old memorabilia and they stick it on the concourse and fans can come there before the game, after the game, intermissions mm. and sort of browse the halls of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. I do think they need a permanent location where people can go through and look and, and enjoy the day, so to speak, uh, at, at, at a, a designated spot. But I do like that idea of, of bringing the history. I just don't know. Like they're gonna, they'd have to like hire the guy, like the guy that carries around the Stanley Cup. To, yeah, to, to get a nice pair of expensive, expensive gloves. nice uh, white gloves yeah. and a suit, and and have them travel around. So all that to look forward to, um, Brett. I like. I don't think I'm. A, I, I've done it on this show, but I got an email uh, because I'm on the nominee voting committee. I don't think I'm allowed to like make my picks publicly and and uh, what do you call it? Uh, disclose or well, not disclose, but influence influence uh, maybe other voters with with my vote. So I think I have to kind of keep my personal feelings or who I'm going to vote for to myself. I think. See, and I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble. And you know what? And I, I wish, I hope, and I, I think I asked Mike French this. Like, it, I think, I think you totally should be. I think there should be some accountability. And you know, <laughs> you know if if for some reason John Grant Jr. doesn't get in, and, who didn't you know, vote and, for Jr. Who didn't? I want to know who didn't vote for John Grant Jr. Yeah, Jake Elliott. We'll see. I want to see Jake Elliott's kick that guy uh, off the public <laughs> public voting and to see how it all shook down. You know, I think that stuff is super important. And I know there's there's um there's rules against it in other sports and that too, but I think all the transparency, transparency, the better. So yeah, I want you to talk about it. Well, I know you do and I want to talk about it, but I just don't think I'm allowed. So I think I should probably hold those cards close to my chest. And then, uh, after I, I, you know, they tabulate the votes, I can tell you who my votes went towards. Is that fair? I think that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. 
All right, man. Uh, that was the big focus. I think that was quarter one. Are we done? Quarter one. I feel like we are. I think we can transition to lacrosse the nation. Let's do it. We're heading to oil country, and we're talking with number four, Jeff Snyder on lacrosse the nation next right here on lacrosse classified. Stick around. Hey, this is the voice of the Saskatchewan Rush, Ryan Flaherty. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Into the second quarter we go. Jay Kelly, Brad Challoner with you. Uh, Brad, quarter two. You ready to uh, load up the plane here and, and head across the nation? Let's hop in the jet. Let's go. Lacrosse. Lacrosse. Lacrosse the nation. What makes a hotbed a hotbed? We head across the kicking horse line to Calgary, Alberta this week. Jeff Snyder, world field lacrosse champion, NLL all-star, one of the greatest face-off men of all time. Um, also a Calgary native, five seasons with the Calgary Roughnecks, the founder of Elevate Lacrosse, that helps Western Canadian players source college scholarships and has introduced lacrosse to tens of thousands of students in the Calgary area. We thought he was the best man to represent Calgary today on Lacrosse the Nation. Jeff, welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, just before we get going here, uh, I don't know if you got this on in the corner of your eye here, but uh, Loyola up three against Denver right now, Jeff. Yeah, I've been tracking that. I hope uh, I hope they pull through. I'm a big you know, I'm a big Pios guy, so. Uh, you know, unfortunate uh, end of the season for Loyola with respect to their running with COVID there, but yeah. good to see them in the tournament. And uh, I love Coach Toomey. He's the man. Uh, he's a great guy and and obviously love Coach Tierney and Coach Brown and, and John Olson as well. So, um, you know, obviously uh, my, my, my loyalties lie in Denver. So hopefully those guys pull through here in the next little bit. Something I just learned a couple of weeks ago and a little revisionist history here is that you're drafted by the Vancouver Ravens. But was it before committing to Denver? So they thought you might have been yeah. going pro. So what could have been if you jumped in the NLL super young and, and skipped Denver? But, you know, it all works out for a reason. But take us back to that decision. Well, I was playing for Paul Del Monte at the time with Burnaby. Um, you know, Paul is has been, you know, was instrumental in my development as a, as a person and as a player. Um, you know, the Vancouver Ravens uh, get kicked up uh, right in that year. And we had, man, I was looking back at our, at our like, our graduating class um, I think there was like two guys that didn't play in the NLL on our junior team with, with Burnaby. And, and uh, we were in St. Catharines that year. Um, we ended up uh, losing um, to those guys. Uh, they had a really stacked team as well, like Steenhouse, Billy D. Smith, Craig Kahn, Mark Peniccia, um, you know, you name it. Uh, yeah, there's, it was, you know, it was pretty, like two big powerhouse, uh, uh, powerhouse squads that were going at it. And, um, yeah, I ended up getting picked up and, and I was playing junior hockey at the time, really trying to dig into the hockey route. Um, and I wrote, uh, you know, sort of serendipitously in March of like whatever, that, whatever that year was, it was 2002, maybe I, uh, wrote Jamie uh, Monroe an email and just said, Hey, I'd be really interested in coming to play hockey at Denver. Um, can I play lacrosse as well? And, you know, help cover some of the bill. And, uh, I didn't hear back from him two weeks later, you know, he wrote me a note and just said, hey, why don't you just come and play lacrosse? So I picked up the phone. I called Paul. Um, I'd been drafted that fall to Vancouver. And um, 
you know, I was their first ever pick uh, in the first round. So they, they burned a draft pick on me. I ended up, yeah, it was it was it was a tough decision to make, but Paul was super supportive. Um, it was the right thing to do for me at the time was to go get my education, and um, and so I ended up you know going and playing in Denver, and that's where I actually started facing off. So uh, it worked out pretty well, and and um, you know it was a tough decision at the time, and and you know tough to you know kind of go backwards with respect to Paul, but he was super helpful and and uh, you know understood and and really uh, helped open the door for me there. So well, you got um, a, you, you know, got Memento Cup in O two, Jeff, right? So they probably lessened the pain a little bit. Uh, here's a Memento Cup. By the way, I'm going to school and not not to the Ravens. Yeah, that's that's true. We had a good run that final year. It was tough. It was nice to go and beat St. Catharines too back in in yeah. Burnaby and. Um, but yeah, no, Paul, Paul and, and Doc Locke have been instrumental and, and, you know, absolute guys that belong in the Canadian lacrosse hall of fame and uh, they're great people. And, and uh, you know, they were really focused on what was best for me at the time, which was uh, pursuing school. Yeah. So, and I'm interested uh, that you started facing off in Denver and maybe we'll, we'll get there, but I want to know how Jeff Snyder ended up picking up a stick in Alberta. <laughs> uh, well, I, ironically enough, um, you know, the same way that we're delivering the program right now, um, I had uh, a guy come to my a guy by the name of Sandy Benny um, came to my fifth grade gym class at Captain John Palliser Elementary School in uh, in Calgary, um, had a bunch of sticks out there. And it was the first time I touched a lacrosse stick in the fifth grade. Um, I went home and, and told my dad I wanted to play lacrosse and, and he wouldn't let me play. <laughs> so he, uh, he told me no, because I I'd spent all winter playing hockey. And at that time there wasn't field lacrosse really in Canada at all. And, and, uh, he didn't want to sit in an arena for another, you know, four months. So, you know, 10 months out of the year, he's hanging out in an arena. And, uh, and so I kept bugging him and bugging him and bugging him. And, and finally he put me in it. And, uh, and that's how it started. I started out with, uh, the Crow Child lacrosse association which is here in in calgary which is now the calgary hornets um in the northwest and um you know we uh that's how it how it got up and running is essentially in schools and now that's that's what we're uh we're a big a big chunk of our time during the week is spent uh introducing the game to to kids around the calgary community and in the calgary public board and calgary Calgary separate board and you know so so you're you're a kid in grade five jeff and are you aware of you know, Jason like Wilder B, and Jamie senior Bowen. Senior B and, teams that might have won. You know, there was a senior B team in Calgary that won a Presley in the 80s. But, like, you know, there's not very a rich history of, of championship teams at, at any level prior to prior to, to you, you guys coming around. But, you know, so what, what, was your, what was your awareness of the game before that visit to the school, that fateful oh, day? <laughs> none. I had zero awareness of the sport. Um, when I started getting into midget, um, you know, Caleb Toth was, was obviously the biggest Calgarian at the time, um, out there playing, you know, aside from, I, di- I didn't even meet Jason Wolder until I played for the Adnax okay. and I was playing senior lacrosse. So I, I was completely oblivious, um, to that. I, I, you know, I wanted to pursue lacrosse. I wanted more out of it at the time. There just wasn't any, you know, high level junior being played in Calgary. So I, I followed, uh, you know, I, I knew Caleb was out in Burnaby and, and I ended up getting set up with Jack Crosby, um, you know, the late Jack Crosby and, and um, I, I, you know, pitched to him that I wanted to come play in Burnaby. And that's how that kind of got going. When I was uh, 17 years old, I moved out there in the summer and just started my, uh, my career playing out in, in Burnaby in 1999 or 1998. It was um, ironically, like I went into the 2006 world championships and uh, you know, you'd want to talk about how much I knew lacrosse 2006 world championships. So I graduated from Denver um, you know, and I go into, uh, to the Canadian national team and we do like a vote for captains and Dave Huntley sits me down. We're in London, Ontario. 
And, uh, and he goes, well, who do you think should be a captain of this team? And I, I didn't know anybody. And so I was like, I don't know, Taylor, Taylor Ray and, and Brody Merrill. And like, they're brand new guys. And Dave, Dave almost fell out of his chair. He's like, so you don't think like Gary, 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 Gator, Tom Marichek, Tom Marichek should be captains of the teams. I was, I was so embarrassed. I, I, I literally, I had no understanding of, of the depths of the sport and, you know, being in Western Canada and especially in Calgary, you're, you're pretty much on an Island. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't as, as schooled as I probably should have been, but, um, you know, thanks to guys like Dave and, and, you know, Tom and Gary, they all put me in my place. And, and, uh, I've, 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 uh, you know, I've, I've deepened my, my repertoire with respect to the lacrosse world since then. I would say so as we speak lacrosse, the nation here <laughs> with Jeff Snyder and, and man, like you've really become kind of a voice and a face for team Canada, the field lacrosse program and all the work that you've done with those guys. Uh, I wonder though, Jeff, like you turned yourself into the premier face-off guy in the national lacrosse league for the better part of a decade, but the, the fist of cuffs, the temper was always in your, your suitcase. And, and, man, did you ever used to whip the crowd up in, in Philadelphia. And, and even in, in your junior career and, and early on in your senior career here in Coquitlam, that was something that was always in your game. Where does that fire that, that was inside you come from? Oh, man, I don't know. Probably, uh, you know, just a lot of uh, frustrated young men trying to figure out who I am. And, and you know, I think the big thing, it, I was always, you know, really short fuse, but I, I got good at that. Um, I really figured it out when I went to Burnaby, I think. And, and you know, you got to earn the respect of your teammates. And, and you know, it was sort of a job that, that other guys didn't want to do the same way, you know, facing off kind of was in Denver. There was a, you know, Scott Davidson was the guy who was in front of me and, no one else really wanted to do it. And you can't, you can't fight in the NCAA. So, um, you know, it was more about doing some of the jobs that other guys maybe didn't want to do, or you could kind of figure out. And um, it was just something I was good at. And then I think everybody saw it as something that was like really undisciplined for me. The, all, the majority of the undisciplined stuff for me was all of the stupid behind the back passes or try to do stuff that I maybe didn't have the skill set to do at that point in time. Um, but, but scrapping was always very calculated and, and always by design. And I think I, I learned that the hard way. Um, we were playing in Quillam, uh, against Victoria and, uh, we were in the playoffs and I ended up throwing down with Chris Kinnear at the time mm. and we were, we were winning. Um, we were winning at the time I, we fought and it was kind of like the climax of that game. And then we ended up losing the game. And that was like, you know, for me, it was like, I'm never fighting when we're up ever again. And so... Like it, it was, it was much more of a calculated thing. I think people sort of, you know, it gets a little bit misre- misrepresented that I'm just a hothead. But um, if I was having a bad game, uh, I'd go out and, and try and get into the game, and and you'd have to pick your times. And um, you know, it, it just became something that was more of, uh, you know, in the toolbox. I, I took a lot of pride in in feeling like I was a well-rounded player, um, just in that regard, and and kind of a jack of all trades. Just before we get off the the fighting thing, I, I, you were in our, our best lacrosse fighter of all time tournament, uh, and I was trying to look and see who you eventually went down to defeat. I think you made the final four, but who was who was the the guy that that you had the most trouble with? Well, it was it was really funny. I didn't really have any problems with anybody, but um, it was more of a decision to. You know, everybody kind of gets dethroned at, at some point in time. And, and I think, uh, you know, I couldn't have been, you know, I guess, dethroned, if you want to say it, by a better guy in Andrew Suter. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a – we, we fought in Calgary, um, and, and he put me down. I, I You know, he ended up popping me, and I went out a little bit and got back up, and the refs jumped in. Yeah. 
And Andrew's such a classy guy. We were in the penalty box and he was like, man, you slipped, you slipped. I, I saw it, you slipped. And I was like, dude, I didn't slip. <laughs> <laughs> and so we hung out after the game and had a beer. And then I ended up fighting him again, in which was just Called a, that a one. massive tilt. But Called that yeah, one, yeah. He was, he was, uh, Andrew's a tough customer, man. He's, and, and you know, even, even more so than his toughness, he's a great leader and a great person. And, and I got nothing respect for that guy. So he would have, he would have certainly been the guy who I had the most, uh, most trouble with. I don't think I lost many. No, you did not. Time, no, so. you did not. <laughs> it was, uh, it was Suter's idea actually to have this segment called lacrosse the nation. What makes a hotbed a hotbed? He's obviously an Orangeville guy, but he wants to know what makes other, um, successful lacrosse markets kind of tick. And we've been to New Westminster. We've been to Orangeville now. Um, Calgary's the topic Rochester. of today. But, yeah. you know, do, doing a little bit of my homework this week, Jeff, it really looks like the Roughnecks arriving on the scene sort of changes the Calgary lacrosse landscape in 2001. Brad Bannister has the vision of bringing the team in there. Was that sort of an earth-shaking moment, you think, in Calgary lacrosse? Is there like a pre-Roughnecks, post-Roughnecks sort of timeline for you? I think there was always like a, you know, it's sort of more of like a cult following, I guess, in Calgary, from what I remember. Um, you know, I, I grew up playing and, and hanging out with guys and it was kind of just, a, you know, it was a really sort of specialized sort of tertiary sport that guys sort of like bought into and really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, you're, you couldn't be more bang on with, with Brad coming to the city and the team, um, you know, kicking off here. I was actually at the opening game. I think Tracy, I can't remember how many goals Tracy Kaluski had. We had like 15 or something points uh, in the first game and, and it was awesome. And, uh, you know, just having that pro team here and, and the blood, sweat and tears that Brad put into, you know, put into that organization here, um, having that pro team really, you know, set it on fire. And uh, it was awesome. It, it, it just got going and, and kids started paying more attention and people started playing more. Um, you know, very similar. I, I was in like the mammoth. I think the mammoth went to Colorado in 2003, 2004. Somewhere around um, there, yeah. yeah. And, and I remember, uh, you know, Steve Gubbett coming to Colorado and getting that team off the ground and same thing, Colorado followed, you know, it was probably, you know, it was, it was infused with gasoline a little bit more than Calgary was, but, <laughs> but lacrosse really didn't take off in Colorado until the mammoth got on the scene there and then it blew up. So um, you know, same sort of thing. I, I think the box lacrosse environment and a testament to Brad, Brad, you know, brought me here. I remember him calling me in 2011, saying he traded for me. I didn't believe him. I started laughing. Who were you traded for? I don't, he, who was, who was, what was the trade? Oh God. I, I want to say it was Ryan Boyle and, and a draft pick or something like that. I, I can't remember, but it was something along those lines. Um, yeah, he called me. I was like sitting in my apartment in Calgary. I was like, okay, Brad, sure. I was like, I'm serious. We'll see you at training camp. I'm like, okay. So like a super dream come true and, and, um, you know, bittersweet departure, but I, I wanted to play in Calgary, retire in Calgary. And, and that's how it kind of went down. And it was a big, it was really important to me to, to play for this team here. And after seeing what Brad did and, um, you know, the, the way that it's grown over the, you know, the past, you know, 20 years here, um, it's, it's been unbelievable. And it's, it's 100% a testament to Brad pouring his guts into, into lacrosse here in the Calgary community. Speaking with Jeff Schneider, we've got to ask this, uh, are you officially retired, Snides, or are you used to like you're still looking like you're in good shape here? And I had a couple more expansion teams, and uh, you know everybody needs a face-off uh, guy. What uh, you tell me? Are you like are you official, or are you still uh, kind of hoping? <laughs> I've just been coming in and out, hey, like what a guy. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I think my ego would love it for me to play again. Um, you know, I'm 40. It's uh, it's hard on your body, man, and and uh, 
you know, we're doing, we, we've got so much going on here with, uh, with Elevate, um, the classroom across program, you know, the, the kids in school, um, getting into some other business stuff here with real estate and doing some of that stuff. And then we're, we're starting a new uh, hybrid equipment line for Canadians uh, in Northland lacrosse. So we've got a bunch of stuff going on right now with that. And uh, it's looking really good and exciting. There'll be more stuff coming out here. I'll have to throw so, some stuff your way. So official, um, officially announcing your, your retirement right here on lacrosse classified. Is that I, what's happening? I, I, I think so. I don't want to, you know, I'd say 99%. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay we're, you, we're using that as our soundbite <laughs> to promote the show. We'll then take it. We'll take it. Uh, traded, traded for uh, an additional pick in the Orlando Titans dispersal draft. So the Wings wanted it. an extra pick from that Titans dispersal draft and got it from Calgary, who then passed on the dispersal pick. So that's probably where they got Boyle from was dispersed gotcha. from. There you you know, know. Well, yeah, I remember being Ryan Boyle. Let's talk about yeah. junior lacrosse in Calgary here for, for a minute, Jeff. And, and we've seen, I want to say over the course of the last decade, We've seen history be made at the Minto Cup with, with Alberta beating a non-Albertan team. And the, the caliber of lacrosse just continues to get better with these programs. Talk about the development of, of Junior A lacrosse in Calgary and how long do you think it will be before we see another team get added into that loop? Yeah, you know, it, it really, uh, you got you to gotta give credit. One, there's, there's awesome Junior A clubs uh, in the, the Calgary Mountaineers and the, the Calgary Raiders. Um, you know, they're, they're super competitive guys. And then the junior B program as well. There's a ton of kids that are in the NCAA playing junior B here too. So um, it, it all just depends on the amount of kids that really, I think, dig into the sport sort of wholeheartedly on a, on a year round basis. And I think that's, you know, what you see with respect to Ontario, British Columbia, the other hotbeds around, around Canada is that guys are, are training full time. And so once kids really dig into that mindset and are diverse athletes, um, it kind of goes in waves, but you know, there, there's a lot of great kids coming out right now that are, um, you know, that are in the NCAA, they're getting there, you know, when they're 19, when they're 19, um, you know, early twenties and, uh, uh, you know, they've got, you know, two to three years of, of really high level development prior to, to graduating. So, um, you know, I don't, it, it's tough to say right now. I don't, I don't, I don't have a finger on the pulse. When do you think Alberta will win a Minto cap, Jeff? Put, give me a year then put you right oh. on the spot, man. Like a decade man. from now, like, when do you think it'll happen? going to happen yeah i think uh you know i'd like to say within the next 10 years i think that's um you know that that's something that would be you know i think uh you know if you could put a tangible number on it um you know that being said again though we you know we we just got to get more kids playing lacrosse and that's that's our that's our primary goal is you know we're not with respect to our organization we're not fighting for market share here we're just trying to grow the pie that's our biggest goal so um, the more kids that we get playing, we're seeing it grow. Um, hopefully the pandemic hasn't affected that too much, um, you know, just in team sports in general, uh, let alone lacrosse. But yeah, I think in the next, I think in the next decade, that's a realistic, uh, I think that's a realistic number. Um, again, um, we're just competing on another level. You look at what's going on in Vancouver and, and Ontario and, and, you know, with suits in Orangeville, like Orangeville bleeds, bleeds the Northmen. And uh you know, it's just, it just needs a little bit more tenure. And, and yeah, I think, it, you know, we continue to work in the community. The junior teams continue to be competitive and push for those spots in the Minto and, and uh, kids continue to go to school. I don't see why that wouldn't be a realistic goal. Are there enough quality, quality coaches in the area right now? Like I know there's a lot of pros in Alberta and they're giving back. Um, you know, you see pros behind the junior eight benches in, in Alberta for sure. Um, but are a lot of guys coming back, living in Calgary and, and getting behind benches and coaching the next generation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a big goal of ours when we set out um, with Elevate Lacrosse. Sort of our long-term vision was 
Calgary is really unique. You got you got amazing volunteers. You got so many wonderful people that that believe in the sport and love the sport. But you don't have a lot of tenured guys where you know you got a coach. You got like Kurt Malowski coaching his son's novice team. Yeah. You know, where you've got, you know, you like, you, you just don't, you just don't have that, that tenure, yeah. um, you know, with respect to, to, you know, the lineage of guys playing lacrosse, like Dane Doby's grandfather, great, like he's, I think they're like three or four generations deep in terms of a lacrosse family out in Ontario. So yeah. we just don't have that volume yet. So that was our biggest goal was to, to get more kids to school. Are kids going to go play in the NLL? Sure. Maybe not. But the idea is to come back, and now you see there's a number of kids that are uh, going and playing on junior teams that have played high-level lacrosse, whether it's at the NCAA level, at the junior A level. You see guys coming back and, and putting in the time and effort. And not to take away from you know what, what's already been done in the community with all the, the amazing guys that are here. Everybody digs in really hard to it, uh, does the best that they can. But we really start to need to grow the, the tenure of, of high-level lacrosse in Alberta, which I think is, is happening. And yeah, like I know you got Danny Taylor work, working with you, and, and of course the Blade, your brother, uh, doing some great things. Tell me about Elevate because you're really Jeff. You're one of the first guys to kind of start up a lacrosse specific kind of academy, and and for sure in, in Alberta, and from where it started to where it is now has really been incredible to see the growth of this program. And I know you're you're going into a lot of schools as well. Give me the the synopsis here of of Elevate and, and what kids can expect when they sign up to your program. Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, I think what's really unique about what we do is that we're completely vertically integrated from the time that you touch a lacrosse stick to the time that you're a professional player, you can be involved with the organization. So our current coaching staff right now that was doing our winter training program was Bob, uh, Bob, my brother, Dan Taylor, Reese Callies, Brett Craig, uh, Sean Tashea, who went to Concordia, Wisconsin, um, you know, didn't play in the NLL, but a fantastic coach. Um, and so, you know, when, when you go in and, you know, Dan Taylor and Brett Craig are in the schools introducing the sport, um, our goal is to get kids to, to get acclimated and get, you know, get confident when they're playing. Um, and I think that was based on my experience when I picked up a stick for the first time, I was just, I, I was good at it. And so I felt great. I felt good about myself. So that's what we're trying to implement in the schools. Um, and then kids can step out of that and come to our grassroots field lacrosse program in Calgary field lacrosse in the summer. Um, and then come and partake in, in the winter with our training programs and fall with our elite teams. There's camps and clinics. And, and again, our, our whole thing is, you know, not everybody's going to register with Elevate. And that's totally cool. Um, but for us to get out and, and, and introduce the sport as much as we can and deliver it in a fashion where kids want to buy into it and fall in love with it. And it's something that they're good at and they identify with. Um, then I think we're doing our job. So, man, we cover everything from grassroots implementation all the way to, you know, NCAA and professional guidance. I work with a lot of guys still, um, you know, on contract stuff or where do I sign? What do I do? Who was your um, first so guy? Katoni? Was your Katoni kind of your first guy to, to make it off to Hopkins out of your program? No, Dan was. Okay. Um, our first ever, yeah, our first ever kid that went to school was uh, Kyle Burrell, uh, and he went to Concordia, Wisconsin. It was our very first ever commitment. And we had, in 2009, we had uh, uh, 19 guys and in our fall program, um, and Kyle was the first one to go. Dan was our first ever Division One player. Uh, he went to Lehigh. Yeah. Um, Holden was our was our second into Hopkins, and uh, and yeah, it kind of it just kind of went from there. We're That's at, all it like, takes, right? Like just to see that, yeah. and and then it snowballs on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we and man, we got some exciting kids that are coming into the NLL here right away. And Harrison Matsuoka is going right. to be a great kid for the Roughnecks. Um, he played in our program. His sister is actually going to Oregon. Yeah. Uh, she'll be a too, yeah. freshman next year. Yeah. 
Derek um, Lloyd worked with you guys, right, from Vancouver? Yeah, Derek Lloyd was with us. Uh, Brett Craig, Dylan Kinnear. Um, and, uh, you know, Levi Anderson is a kid who's coming oh, up yeah. right now. Yeah, watch him at the Mentos. Absolute athlete. Yeah. No doubt about and it. Le- Levi's a stud. So there's some there's some killers coming up through the program, man. But it's, uh, you know, we don't really specify. Division one's great. It's not for everybody. Um, you know, a lot of our kids primarily are Division two players. The majority of kids are yeah. Division two players. But we've had men men and women uh division one two and three all over the uh uh the u.s right now and and, and I that, think there was 70 some kids and that year. and then and i kind of glossed over it and i think it's fantastic snides that it's men and women that you guys are coaching yeah yeah absolutely the girls that's one where one area where we're really digging into in calgary i don't calgary will never be the hotbed for lacrosse in, in for men's lacrosse in canada it's just it's too far behind um, and everybody, every other place is going to grow on the, on the exponential level that they're growing on. Well, I really think that we can do something with women's field here in, in Calgary. And we really spent a lot of time, um, doing that. And Bob, Bob coaches, we've got it. We've got an excellent, uh, you know, an unbelievable coaching staff of division one, two, and three players that are back in Calgary working and in, in our coaching staff, they're fantastic as, as our female coaches. And then Bob, you know, runs that program. Um, and, and I, I really think that we could do something with Calgary and women's lacrosse. That's really exciting. Um, and, and that's a big focus for us right now is really growing the women's game. I think it's terrible that so many girls quit sports right around that 13, 14 year old mark. Um, I get emails every day from NCAA coaches asking for players. We don't have anybody to send right now. Our entire class from last year is gone. (laughs) So, uh, not a bad problem to have. Yeah. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Last one for you here, but actually two more for you. Actually, one, I got two, one more two too. So I got one more too. Okay, I want to know right. uh, greatest Albertan lacrosse player of all time. Oh man, Jeff Snyder. I don't know. Yeah, Coach, I, well, Manning, I, think, I, think, you, I think I think everybody. I think everybody would. <laughs> I think everybody think I would say me. Um, no, I you know I gotta I gotta give it to Caleb, man. Uh, him scoring that goal in Toronto, I yeah. think. You know, in terms of in terms of guys that are paving the way, like Jay Wu is a great guy. Like I love him; he's fantastic, and you know, inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. And and you know, I'd, I'd put him up there with Caleb as well as one A and one B. And and you know, really, I think Caleb Caleb really inspired uh, uh, another level of like guys trying to pursue this at a different level. It was just on a different stage from a media perspective. And I remember watching him score that goal. And I also remember him calling me after the 2006 championships and, and telling me how proud he was of me. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a guy who, uh, you know, I lived with him in Burnaby my first year. I remember Caleb taking me to the sink, like a, a puppy who had peed on the floor. And uh, I didn't, I didn't rinse out the shavings out of the, out of the sink. I, I like, I never, I, yeah, yeah. I just started shaving, for, you know, and, and I went and the, the shavings are the sink and he grabbed me by like the back of my t-shirt was like, no, no, no. Uh, yeah. Swat so your nose. A, yeah. I, I learned a lot of lessons from Caleb. That's for sure. Uh, last one for me here, Snides, and, and we appreciate your time. Some of the minor organizations in Calgary that are starting to kind of blossom and burgeon in here, uh, give a shout out to a few cities around the city of Calgary that are really kind of on the come up here as far as their minor numbers go. Oh man, you know, you got to give all of the associations are doing great things. Um, you know, the, the Hornets obviously is the association that I grew up in. We work with them, um, you know, pretty tightly in some coaching development. Uh, they support us with our classroom lacrosse program. The Calgary Sabercats, uh, they're the Southwest program here. Um, they're doing a fantastic job again. Um, you know, they're, they're out and investing in the community as well and, and working really hard. The Axemen are a big, a big group out of the Southeast. Um, they've been around forever. That's actually where Caleb played. Um, he was a, a Calgary Axeman and so was Dan Taylor. 
um, Holden Katoni was as well. Um, and so them and then the, the Knights uh, are out of the Northeast and, and they're doing a great job too. And, and, you know, all the surrounding areas in Rocky View, Okotoks, um, Olds is picking up a program. The, the sport is growing awesome. um, on another level. We got some great kids coming out of Lethbridge, Medicine Hats, um, you know, and everybody's doing their part. And uh, I think that, you know, you ask why, you know, what makes Calgary such a unique hotbed is I really think that, you know, there's, there's diehard lacrosse, generational lacrosse, but the sport is really young in Alberta. And I think people are really buying in and doing their part to promote it and support the pro the local teams, support the club programs in the area. And, and there's lots of attention coming from the NCAA now because those kids are going to school and really representing Calgary really well. Um, and that's, that's doing wonders for us too. And those guys go down and make an impact, uh, you know, stateside. May long weekend coming up, Jeff, if I jump in my car, not that I'm allowed to, but if I jumped in my car and drove through, you know, Hornets country, Axman country, how, how, what are the chances I'm going to see a kid with a lacrosse stick outside somewhere throwing a ball against the wall? Oh man, a hundred percent. I, you know, I see kids driving around now. They got their sticks, you know, strapped onto their backpacks coming home from where they're, they're coming home from. There's kids out in the community on walls. There's boxes out here that kids are ripping balls at. And, uh, you know, man, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's a lot more fun than playing basketball or soccer. I'll tell you that right now. So you see a lot of kids, um, you know, working on their craft and, and I would guarantee you, you'd be hard pressed to drive through Calgary without seeing a stick in someone's hand. Love and that's me. what makes a hotbed a hotbed. Yeah. Great stuff, you man. Appreciate, appreciate you on this, Jeff. And guys, anytime. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it and look forward to, uh, uh, to listen to more stuff that you guys are putting out there. Great job. Yeah, well, appreciate it, Jeff. Uh, make sure you, you're telling the Knights and the Sabercats and the Hornets, uh, Coach Snyder's on, on the podcast this week, and to tune in, man. Hey, man, give us a tag. We'll uh, we'll, we'll blast that all over the place. Don't you even worry it. about it. We'll make sure, we'll make sure it's, uh, it's well known. I appreciate it, boys. All right. We'll we do. we said we'd it. keep you 20. We kept you half an hour. Thanks for your time, Jeff, and uh, congrats on a, an amazing career that is 99% over <laughs> hey, you guys know me i love to talk i appreciate you having me on and, and thank you so much there you go here's talk soon number four jeff snyder and and like i said brad easily could be a stallion we think he's going to be a hall of famer and one of the pioneers of alberta calgary lacrosse and uh looks up to the warriors new offensive coach and number nine caleb toe and what a spreader, what a spreader of the game, right. you know, a, a mouth like that and the way the talk like that and the way the show, he showed it off on the floor while he played and that competitiveness, you know, he, he bleeds, he bleeds Calgary. He bleeds roughneck. He, he represented that organization so well for, for so many years and so great that he's still doing things uh, in the community to take this game to another level. 70 kids in university fields across in the state Absolutely. from Alberta. And Alberta, like, just from Alberta. Party. That's that's got to be pretty close to what BC is putting out there. I can't imagine BC being much higher. Uh, as far as programs go, mm-hmm. elevate. It doesn't get much better than that. And, and no, you want to and- talk about a unique lacrosse player, Brad? We'll get back to it here in a sec. But like, like one of the toughest ever to do it. Like I, like Jeff said, didn't lose too many. I didn't see. I used to love to watch Jeff Snyder fight. So technical and yeah, just like. And then scored fourteen. 14- Scored 15 goals a season right. and you know, ultimate would, would face-off win, win, man too, right? Like, face-off wins and, and that's a rare combo, well. rare combo to be the best face-off guy in the league and the toughest. One thing I want to throw in about Calgary is that 
you know, what makes a hotbed a hotbed. Calgary is a pretty cool city. And there's a lot of pros that might not be living there after their career. But, you know, we mentioned Reese Callies. There's a lot of BC boys yeah. that go out to play for Calgary. I don't mind Calgary. Fall in love with the day. town. Yeah. Yo, Calgary's beautiful, man. It's 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 an affordable well, we spent city as far a as Western night Canada in, goes. In, uh, the Palace couple, there A couple of yeah. food nights in, yeah. in Calgary. They've got a great downtown <laughs> scene, great restaurant scene. Um, you know, and Russians, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Steak, all the steak you can eat. So it's a pretty cool city. I know why guys want to transplant themselves there and live there. And then it's guys like, you know, Reese Callies and Andrew McBride who then bring their BC knowledge and guys who grew up in the thick of it here in the lower mainland can go spread that pollen throughout Alberta. No doubt. So glad we got uh, Jeff Snyder on the program for Lacrosse the Nation. Strike Calgary off the list, Brad. And now we got to think about where we want to go next week, Lacrosse the Nation. With summer and longer days fast approaching, actually, you know who would really look good in, in Stampede and Tack Western wear? Jeff Snyder. Really piece of Stampede and Tack Western. Jeff Snyder, anybody from Calgary. Calgary's also got like a little cowboy culture there. It's the prairies. It's the flatlands of southern Alberta. They would like to stop at Stampede Tack and Western wear. They can do that. They don't live in Cloverdale, but they can do that at stampede.ca. We're shopping online and still shopping local. They can get their cowboy hats. They can get their Wranglers. They can get their boots. You can get your jeans. You can get done up. For the next uh, Calgary Stampede, which will probably be next summer. But before you head out for that, hit up stampede.ca. Or if you're locally here in BC, corner of Highway 10 and 180th in Cloverdale. Can't thank Stampede Tack and Western Wear enough for their continued support on the podcast. And seriously, folks, I know we mention it every single week. And if you've been on the fence, you've been thinking about it, you've never done it, get on their website, check it out. And please support our sponsors, uh, especially this year with with Stampede missing the Cloverdale Rodeo for a second year in a row. Not an easy thing for a business like that to go through, and they could use your support now more than ever. So please uh, help out Kevin and the family there at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. We thank them for helping us out. Uh, Brad, Monster Quarter 2 is now complete. We're going to the third. Second half time is up next. Quick Sticks right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Bob Watson. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Back on Locks Class into the second half, we go quarter number three. Jay Kelly, Brad Schellner with you, and and with us uh, always are the Vancouver Warriors as well, Brad. Uh, I know they have the successful academy out there, and and they're looking forward to getting the season go. I think we should have some information on ticket prices and all that sort of stuff here coming up in the coming months as we get a little closer to December, but I know... We were watching over the weekend uh, their their high draft pick number two overall, Coquitlam native Reed Bowering and his Drexel Dragons making a run for the NCAA tournament. Fortunately, they ran into, a, a, as I dropped my pen, a hot six seed in the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Of course, uh, John Arlotta, very close to that program, owner of the Georgia Swarm. So Notre Dame getting past Drexel. So Reed Bowering is done at University of Lacrosse, and his next stop will be Rogers Arena for the Vancouver Warriors. And and we were lamenting, like, we're really looking forward to seeing Reed Bowering get into the NLL and, and get in a Warriors jersey. 
Well, and put Drexel on his back the last few weeks and this season for that matter, like five goals to to win their conference last week and then comes out with a four-goal performance, ties the game late for Drexel to really make it interesting in the late stages. And then Notre Dame just a little bit too strong and a little bit too deep. But, like, what more could he have done? Like, it was just an insane performance from him the last couple of weeks. He was the conference uh, championship MVP a week ago and – Warriors fans are really in for a treat. And these are offensive things that he was doing well, as this an is it. for Drexel. This is and this is what it. it's going to be interesting. Like, well, you know, I don't think like the defensive defensive player of the year, two or three times the three, BC Junior yeah. Lacrosse League. And then he's a freak attack player at the, at the field and collegiate level. So, you know, where, where is he going to play? He's going to play all over for the Vancouver Warriors. Well, that's just it. And like, I don't think guys announcing, games down the south and no disrespect to them they only see what's in front of them right and that's reed bowering playing as an attackman for for his college team when this guy is riding going after loose balls like they think it's some freakish thing for an attackman to do that but that's just reed bowering doing reed bowering things yeah so i mean defensive stud in box lacrosse offensive weapon in field lacrosse and and normally it's kind of the other way around if if you see like guys that play d in in field sometimes you'll see him excel at at box and in offense but Reed is there's no place he can put him on the floor that he's not gonna stand out and excel. So we're looking forward to it. We don't want to sit here and, and fawn over rebounding this entire program, but we're really we we could we, we could, could we could, but we're looking forward to to seeing Reed in a Warriors jersey. The other thing I'm looking forward to here, Brad, as we'll get into quick sticks, is uh, Harry Jerome Arena out in North Vancouver and and played a lot of games there against the North Shore Indians, of course, and they have a big icebreaker tournament for the Masters guys out there. And I love that floor in that arena so much because it was not only was it kind of like a shorter floor, but it was tight corners and, you know, less, less room for, for me to get spread out and running around out there. But anyways, they're knocking down Harry Jerome arena there in north shore north vancouver and they're gonna build a brand new one and the best part about it all is the squamish nation is getting involved here to name this new arena where they have such a long rich history and tradition of of playing lacrosse and now squamish nation is going to get a say in in what they name this this barn which is pretty cool yeah this is super cool and north shore home of the wla for about a decade or Mm -hmm. more like early mid 90s to early mid uh, 2000s before they moved to the Okanagan and then became the, the Langley Thunder now. But, you know, growing up, the North Shore lacrosse was a big deal. Yeah, they had the drums. They had teams that were winning President's Man, Cup. They had, the drums. They had pro the drums. players that they were, they were that they were dressing for that team. All over the Lower Mainland, they'd go to play for North Shore. But then you look at the history of lacrosse in that area and even up through the Squamish Nation, like it goes back to the 1930s where they had uh, 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 players playing for the Olympic team one of the first ever all First Nations teams assembled was from the Squamish Nation and went on and competed in a Man Cup. So there's like, you know, almost 100 years of lacrosse history in that region. I'm glad, glad it's not lost because, you know, if you're coming up now here in the Lower Mainland, North Shore is definitely not a lacrosse hotbed. But if you dive into that history, it's so special to hear that it once was. And maybe, who knows, maybe it can be again someday when they start reclaiming a bit of this history. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, I don't know if this news actually came out, so I don't know if I should put it out there yet or not, but I think NLL teams will be able to sign their restricted free agents here in in the coming days if they're not allowed already. So stay tuned 
for that. And, and speaking of sign, the Rochester Nighthawks have re-signed their entire coaching staff. Mike Hazen, Matty Giles, and Patty O'Toole all locked up for another year. So some stability there. For the Nighthawks, uh, the WLA article coming out in Tri-City News just a couple of days ago, Brad, saying that Tuesday is going to be the day to decide whether the WLA season is going to happen or not. Well, at least the start date of June 23rd. If that doesn't happen, I think there's a couple other contingency plans to start an even shorter and more compact season. But a lot of this, depending on whether the MSL is going to go, whether they'll be able to play for a Man Cup or not. But either way, I think like the WLA will play, even if the MSL can't. It just might be a super short schedule and no Man Cup. But Tuesday, big day here for the WLA. Yeah, it really is. This will this will determine the fate, and you know this podcast will be out probably right around that same time that news is coming. So unfortunately, we can't mm-hmm. speculate either way. You know, there's there's. I think what what is it the vaccination numbers here now like over fifty percent of everybody numbers are coming down eligible numbers are coming down everybody who's fifty percent eligible uh, or everybody who's been eligible fifty percent of them now have got in their first dose I'm going on Friday you went a couple weeks ago so yep. it's getting better here do I get a season I don't know man another Spidey month from is, now Spidey sense is keeping me now a little bit more pessimistic than I was mm-hmm. in in the past now that we're so close now now that these dates are finally approaching. So, so I don't know. Hold your breath. I, know, fine. I, I would like to see them put put something together. Like just get the boys on yeah, the floor. Even if it's ten games and whatever. And right? no, like, and even if it's no man cup, just have a little WLA please. championship. It would be super entertaining. The guys would love it. The players would be all into it. Um, so just do something to keep these legs going, man. Because these you know, guys I need to play. Through, I was picking a trying to pick a Stampede Stallion. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But like just scrolling through NLL rosters today, I'm like, who are we gonna pick? There's a lot of guys that like I don't know what their fate is gonna be. Right. Guys that are on the older end, you know, that haven't played in, in two years. What yeah, like Reese Dutch. There's, a, there's a name, like Dutchie. Yeah. How much is left in the tank for Reese Dutch? For me, it was Scott Campbell when I was looking through yeah. Halifax. Dan Dawson. So like he's he, he'll be 40. Brody Merrill. Soupy's forty this year. Brody Merrill will be 40 this year, too, right? So how much do those veterans have left? John Tavares. Oh, no, he's not playing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll wait and see. Tuesday, big day. And obviously, we'll talk about it next week one way or the other. A few more quick sticks here before we get to the fourth quarter. Uh, you want me to mention this. I mentioned it about a month ago. But Tyrell Hamer Jackson, better known as Hammer Jackson, uh, this guy is a megastar on the TikTok. Vancouver Warriors face-off, man. This guy's got over a million followers. I can't believe this. And I said to it, like, find this guy on, on TikTok. Find him on Instagram. His videos are just insane. He's out there on the Fraser River running along logs, spearing stuff, pulling chains up out of the water, and filming it all on a GoPro. It's It's, it's nuts. Well, we talked about it a month ago because I saw him go viral on Instagram where he was jumping back and forth on logs with his five-pound spike boots with the lacrosse stick in his hand. Right, right? yeah. Tried to, knock that guy, yeah. tried to knock that guy off his off his path when he when he wins a face-off and starts running up the gut. But I didn't realize until this Gloves Off article came out by Anna Taylor this week on NLL.com that all those videos derived on TikTok and that, yeah, he's got multiple videos with like millions of views. <laughs> And he's a star on TikTok. He's got people in his DMs asking him for jobs and asking for training tips. And yeah. I, I had no idea. So shout out to Tyrell Hamer-Jackson um, applying his trade as hopefully the next uh, 
Vancouver Warriors faceoff specialist. He just got into two games last year before um, between the Bob Snyder injury and before the season cancellation. So again, a lot of time between games for, for Tyrell, but he's in some of the best shape of his life. He's got some great mentors that are working with him and, and talking with him and, and coaching him. So We'll see what happens the next time. The next time he has to take the floor. Yeah, he's got the face-off control going. Uh, the academy there with him and Chase Fraser. He's got the Hammer Grip Pro coming for for face-off guys on the, on their stick. Pretty cool grip. I'm still waiting for mine, Hammer. So uh, you got my address. Not that I take face-offs. I just wanted to check it out. Uh, a couple more here, Brad. Uh, Feed the fish. This happened on Saturday as the Bellies kind of put on a virtual telethon. Uh, myself, Logan Schuss, Tyson Geick, and Kenny Downey uh, did some hosting for this event, and I I got I lucked out. I got to interview Erica Woolley. I got uh, the commission, Paul Del Monte, and Benny Hilgies. I got uh, the Warriors GM and former president Dan Richardson and his two brothers and Terry and John, of course. And I got the premier of British Columbia and one John Horgan for for a chat as well. This was a lot of fun. I want to give a shout out to Mayor Horn out there in Mission, the president of the Bellies now, who put this thing on and it ran like clockwork, so smooth. And I know they raised a ton of money here for Feed the Fish and it was fun to be a part of. Did you get to ask Horgan about his return to play plan? I did. He, he, like In true politician <laughs> fashion, Brad, he danced around. It, all. it was I don't believe like it. Like Barishnikov, I'm telling you. He, he just, you know, pirouette, a little spin move, a little tippy toe on the tap shoes, and, and away he went with it. But uh, And he just couldn't take the Shamrocks hat no, off. No, I know he's wearing a Goss on, jersey. Eh? But uh, yeah, I, I felt like that was coming. I got a couple of digs. And I have a disc golfer as well, Brad, uh, which I didn't uh, know, but I told my disc golf buddies that uh, I was interviewing the Premier. I said, oh, well, ask him about disc golf. Plays a lot of disc golf. So. Uh, we have a lot in common. We are both wearing Bellies jerseys. We both love lacrosse and apparently disc golf as well. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to everybody that, that took part in Feed the Fish. And I would expect uh, to see a couple more of these. Last two here. 35 moments this week. Brad got to get this in. And we mentioned Steenhouse, who's up for the NLL Hall of Fame. He's a nominee. And I kind of forgot about this one. The night that Steiner goes off for 17 17- <laughs> 17 points in one game for the Buffalo Bandits against Toronto in Banditland. What a night for Stain. Whose house? It's Stainhouse. 17 points. Four goals, 13 assists, four assists to JT alone in that game. And, you know, it was it was Rich Kilgore on the podcast a few months ago that was raving about Stainhouse saying Stainhouse in his unstoppable might have been one of the best that Rich Kilgore has has ever seen. Um, So he'll get his due in the Hall of Fame. You know, he's top 10 everywhere in points and just one of the most electric and entertaining players to ever grace the floor. So I like to see that people that might have not seen Stainhouse play in the last couple of years get to relive the magic that he was, you know, like he is bandit land he was the, the long celly man. after he scored the whole waggle up against the yeah. glass and there's, that he did. i think there's no there's no chase fraser dane smith uh josh Byrne, like those you know the outgoing charismatic bandits yeah. without stainhouse setting that precedent in the in the early 2000s the signature orange shoes and the curly hair coming out the bucket uh yeah all day for for stainhouse last one i got here it's a tough one brad and it goes out to our our good friend teddy jenner who 
I mean, I went through this with my cat a couple of weeks ago, Brad, having to, to put Dear Bentley down, and, and Teddy's been dealing with a lot of stuff with his dog, Bear, over the last couple of months with seizures and everything, and unfortunately, Bear had to kind of succumb to his, his medical condition and, and is no longer with us, and I know how much Bear meant to Teddy, and, and he was a huge part of his life, and uh, so I want to send out my thoughts and condolences to Teddy and, and to Bear who had a great life uh, when he was with us on this earth here. So shout out to, to Teddy and Bear, uh, who had a tough day here. Yeah, be be thankful, and I know he is, for the time that they had together going for walks on, on Fantasy Island there in God's country. Like, it's it's so beautiful and such a good place to to have a dog, to have a family, and to be outside. And they certainly certainly did live it up when they had their time together. So we're thinking about you, buddy. Absolutely. That is going to round out quick sticks here for EP 132. One more quarter to go, and we're going to have our Stampede Stallion of the Week in it. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Bruce Codd, head coach of the Junior A Orangeville Northman. You're listening to the Lacrosse Classified. Back we are. We are into the fourth quarter, which means no more breaks here on Lax Classes EP 132. Coming down the stretch here, not before I ask you to subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you are listening to your podcast right now, just hit that subscribe button. And, and while you're listening, just bang out a few lines, type a review. Hopefully it's a positive one. We would appreciate that. And don't forget to follow us on social media as well. My buddy Brad is at Brad Chow with uh, two L's on the end of Chow. My Twitter handle or Instagram handle is PXP, the number four. Sports, PXP as in play-by-play. People always ask me, what is that PXP? Play-by-play is what PXP stands for. People Just, ask you what PXP means? Well, some people that don't know what I do for a living because, uh, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, whatever. So if you don't, now you know. Uh, if you didn't before, we got a Facebook page uh, as well, Lacrosse Classified at Instagram, at Lax Class on Twitter, and an email address to go along with it as well if you're not on social media, at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com, which people tend to, to use every now and then. Always appreciate getting the emails coming in. So do all that. And uh, we'll thank you for that, Brad. We're in the fourth quarter. That means it's time to head to the stable. We have reached the Stampede Tax stables here in the fourth quarter. Brad, uh, my selection last week, that means if I'm doing my math correctly, it's your pick this week for the Stampede Stallion. Who you got? Is that how it works? I didn't realize we... Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, that's kind of how it works. I know, math is not uh, a thing. It's, I'm, I'm switching it up this week. It's not a horse. It's a moose. Oh, we got a moose in the stable. Kyle Matisse of your Philadelphia Wings. NLL champion with the Georgia Swarm. He is my Stampede Stallion of the Week from Hamilton, Ontario, home of the Rock. <laughs> Make this man an offer, Jamie well, Dowick. Don't, don't think those don't wheels aren't spinning, but I don't know if you're prying the captain of the Wings away from, from Coach Paul Well, Day. that might be a hard sell for Paul Day, but there's a couple Schreiber, Hamilton. Schreiber, uh, There might be a couple uh, Hamilton. I'd like to see some Hamilton players land in um, the Rock pile, too. But Cal Matisse is my, is my uh, Stampede Stallion of the Week. Just some freakish numbers for Calmantes. Like, yeah, again, qualifications for Stampede Tack or sorry, Stampede Stallion of the Week. Not necessarily an all-star, not a guy that's going to be up for a bunch of end-of-season awards, though he's been a finalist 
the last couple of seasons transition. of the transition player of the year. You know, he's not an MVP type guy, but he's a heart and soul uh, veteran leader of this Philadelphia Wings team. That's Kyle Matisse. No one had more floor time that wasn't a goaltender in the National Lacrosse League in 2020. 27 minutes and 44 seconds per night for Kyle Matisse, who did everything from from face-off team to penalty killing to power play to do everything for that Philly squad. Uh, top 10 in loose balls in 2020. Throughout his career, though, he's always did about the same for the Georgia Swarm. You know, a couple 25-goal seasons here and there. 160 goals in 130 games, 447 points. Like I said earlier, an NLL champion, a guy who does absolutely everything on the lacrosse floor. Welcome to the stable, Cal Matisse. Antlers up for the Moose, Matisse. Uh, got to spend some time around Kyle in Minnesota when he was drafted from the Swarm. I want to say third overall, fourth overall. You should have that information in front of me, Brad, but I don't. Uh, and, man, like, again, one of these guys that is becoming more and more in vogue, more and more utilized in the National Lacrosse League, guys that you can stick anywhere on the floor. And I think it was you know, a little screwy that they had him listed down as a transition player when he's predominantly. It was a little kind of bending of the rules there, I think. But honestly, like he could play out the back. He can play out the front. Power play, short man, loose ball team. And so crafty inside, like has that long wingspan and just knows how to kind of tuck the ball in. And man, just a phenomenal human being as well. Like family, all the rest of it. Brand new Papa as well there for Kyle Matisse. And I am really happy to to bring Kyle Matisse into the Stampede Stable. I think he belongs there. I know only 130 games. I was kind of like, is he... I don't know what the threshold there is. but I snuck him in. I think we've got a couple guys with less games. Like Brad Cree's a stallion. Yeah. Jared Davis is a stallion. Right. I don't think they've crested 130. Yeah, so we don't. Um, we third, should maybe get criteria, ball. but we don't have, like, specific criteria. Well, it's, just, it's just it's more underrated players. Yeah. you got to be sort of underrated or big team guy. Well, they won't be it. underrated long if they, if we continue to fill up the, sta- the stable here. Like, uh, people third are going to be known for this, yeah. Third overall in 2012, Kyle go. Matisse. Behind? Brock Sorensen, I want to say. And? Oh, man, I should know this as well. Uh, number one pick? He always delivers. Mailman. Mark Matthews. All right, mailman. What a big first three, hey? Yeah. Like, imagine being, who is the commissioner at the time? George Daniel, Georgie. who you know, wasn't, wasn't a tall man. No. And then have welcome welcome uh, Mark Matthews, you know, 6'5". Mm-hmm. Brock Sorensen, like 6'6". Uh, Kalmatiz, 6'5". I feel like a real small man of the 2012 NFL I was actually draft. at that draft in Toronto that evening. I think Not Steve, feeling like a small man. No, I think Steve Dutrick went into the, the Hall of Fame that night as well. Great times, great memories, and uh, welcome to the stable, Kyle Matiz. You were this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. And, and as Brad mentioned back in quarter two, Stampede Tack and Western Wear has all sorts of things, including hats, jackets, T-shirts, overalls, toques, beanies. How about a face mask? They got those two. Uh, corporate orders, you can make those. Kids, they have stuff for them. Highway 10, 180th, out there in Cloverdale since 1966. Best thing to do, get online. Everybody can do that. And shop at stampede.ca. We're shopping online. You're still shopping local. And here on Laxcast, we could not encourage you more to support local businesses as we come down the home stretch of this pandemic here. Local businesses need your support more than ever, including 
our good friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. So please help them out. Get online, check it out, and you won't be disappointed. Uh, Brad, that was a, a great program. I think it's almost over. Well done. It was a great chat with Jeff Snyder to talk about Calgary. Have to figure out where we're going to go next with across the nation. Uh, nice hanging with you on a Sunday night. And thanks to everybody for hanging with us week after week. We hope to talk to you guys soon and see you soon at a rink near you. No doubt. We'll be back next Tuesday. Um, hop in the DMs. Let us know if you got a town or a city that you think deserves to be featured on Lacrosse the Nation. You think you got yourself a hotbed there and, and you want to uh, t- have us talk to somebody about it, uh, hop in the DMs. You never know. Big thanks goes out uh, to the Vancouver Warriors. Of course, associated labels and packaging as well. And the Vancouver Warriors, NLL Warriors. Uh, that is going to wrap up EP 132. We'll be back next Tuesday, every Tuesday, right here on the home of Lax Glass Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. And we look forward to that. Thanks for listening. For Brad Chilliner, I've been Jake Elliott. And for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, be safe, be healthy, and stay classified, everybody. <laughs>